Okay, we are in Sefer, Malachim, Aleph, Perik, Chav, Aleph, Pasuk, Aleph, Vayihi, Achar, Hadvarim, Ha'ele. And we should note that in Mirza Hashem, we will complete Malachim, Aleph, perhaps at the end of the week. And for this, we have to thank our technical engineer, Danny Agus, as well as the support and the encouragement of the Gevura Shul. The Gevura is in the heart of Wall Street, the financial district uh, in New York, and we thank them for their encouragement and support. So, we begin with Vayihi Achar Hadvarim Ha'ele, after these things. Usually that connects the previous pair, the last incident. What was that? We saw in the closing seconds of the last shear that King Ahab, returning from his second miraculous victory over Adad Melech Aram, is confronted by the Navi Michiyahu, who excoriates him because he has failed to obey the order of the Kodesh Baruch Hu to kill Adad. Melech Aram. Instead, not only does he spare him, but as we've seen, he exalts him, he confirms his malchus. He gives him back the ancestral lands that his father, Achav, had conquered. He gives him the rights, financial rights, and he signs a unilateral covenant with him. A total capitulation, and Michiel lets him have it, and we include Conclude by Yelech Melech Yisrael Abeso Sar He comes back, he's depressed, he is saddened. We're going to see that expression again in just a few minutes. So now, by also what we are connecting is the fact, as we have learned previously, specifically with Shaul, sparing the life of the king of Amalek, Agag, that the Gemara teaches us that if one shows misguided, misdirected, unjustified compassion to one who is not deserving of it, in the end, he will come to axorious, cruelty, to someone who really deserves compassion. And we saw it with Shaul, that the immediate incident after he's uh, criticized for sparing Agag comes his total senseless destruction and massacre of the town of Nob, of Kohanim, pure holy Kohanim. He kills the whole city with one exception. Here we're going to see the same thing. Ahab spares the king of Aram, thinking he has done a great compassionate deed. And of course, the next thing that happens is the total slaughter of an innocent man, needlessly, just to get one of his possessions. So we begin with that. These things, Kerem Haya Lenovot Hayisraeli Asher BiYisrael. Navot, a citizen of Israel, had a vineyard. Eitzel Hechal Achav Melech Shamron near Achav, the king of Shamron. However, he is in Israel. The Mepharshim say this was Achav's summer palace, as it were. It wasn't his prime residence in Shomron. And he approaches Nabot and he says, 
Give me your vineyard, I will make out of it a vegetable garden. It is near my house. And I will give you in its place, Kerem told me menu, a better vineyard. And in Tov, alternatively, in Tov Necha, I will give you money in excess of its value. And we learned that Achav did this several times, and uh, Nabot is very resistant to it. By Yomer Nabot el Achav, he responds to him, Cholilali. That I would give you the nachala, my inheritance that was given to me uh, with the division of Eretz Yisrael. We learned in Bayikra, Perik of Hate, Rosachar Gimel, Ba'aretz Lotim Karlitzam Chos. You cannot sell the land I have given you in a Nachala in perpetuity. Kili Ha'aretz, the Kaddish Brothers, it's my land, and you are like sojourners. There is a prohibition to sell your ancestral Nachala. There are exceptions, for example, you need the money desperately, you can sell it. A, it should be redeemed at the earliest time by you, relatives, etc. But at worst, you get that land back during Yovel in the 50th year. That ancestral land has to be returned to you. So, Nabot is saying very reasonably to Ahab, no, it's my ancestral heritage. The Malbin says that within that refusal is a terrible criticism and remonstration of Achav that hurts him probably more than just this refusal to sell him the land. Let me read you the Malbin, that what he is saying, that what Achav is saying to Achav, this is my nachla of my soul. You, you have sold your nachala, your inheritance, without money, without price. And therefore, Khalila, that I do it. So his kilo, he reminded him, how important the nachala is, and how what you did, you didn't remember the word of the Kaddish Baruch, you ran after idols. And therefore, there is a remez in there, says the Malbin, which is probably so, that Nabal realized, what does he need it for a garden? That it's a solid bet that he's going to use it for Avodah Zarah. We know Ahav has slipped back into the worship of the Baal, and he's going to use it. So the answer is no. Bayovo Ahav el Beso, Ahav comes back to his house, Sarvazaeth, that same expression, downcast, depressed, Al Hajavara, Shodibere, love Novot, And as Nafoshim say, it's probably at least equally what the um, reprimand he gave him, how faithless he was to his Nachala, as well as the refusal. So he comes back and he is crestfallen. Because when he said that, so he goes right into bed. He turns his face to the wall, indicating he don't want to talk to anybody. He doesn't eat. 
and now comes his royal consort, Izevel. What are you in such bitter spirits for? You're not eating. He told over his conversation with Nabot. But Omar Chanoli, I said to him, is paying me as Karnachab Kesef. Oh, Imchafe Sata et Nelacha Karam Tachtab, I will replace it. By Yomer Lo Etain Lacha Es Karmi. I will not give you my vineyard. But Tomer Elov Izevel Ishto, and now Izevel says in her best Lady Macbeth style, Atata Asem Melucha Yisrael. You were the king of Israel. This is how the king is going to respond to, to a refusal like that? Come, get up. Eat, your heart will feel better. I will give you Novo's vineyard. And so what she does is embark on a very diabolical plan. But at this time, let's just discuss the concept of does the king have a power to expropriate certain land? We learn that he does, but there are many exceptions to it. Among them is the suspicion that here it's going to be Avodazara. Two, it can't, as a general rule, be real estate. Three, the fact that he's king of Israel but not of Yehuda sort of nullifies it. And, and four, it has to be for the general use of the populace, not his own personal enjoyment of a garden next to his palace. So he knows that that's not going to work. And she knows it's not going to work. So what she does is embark on this plan. She writes letters in Achav's name. She signs it with his seal ring. She sends letters to the Zikanim. Zikanim normally connotes Gedolim, Tamide Chachamim, Sanhedrin. Here, as Rashi puts it very succinctly, Zikne Ashmai. They are fake, charlatan, corrupt Zikanim. And she sends it to them, the El Hachorim, the nobles, Asher Biro in the land of Israel, in this city, Novot, Hayoshim is where Novot resides. And she says, Kirutzon, declare a fast day. And now put Novot at the head of a table that we are going to convoke a meeting. So, one, the calling of a fast. It's serious business, and it usually means that there was some underlying condition that the people are very concerned with, a drought, a plague, uh, imminent battle. And so the people are really concerned, and they will assemble. And then she says, put in a vote at the head of the table. That could mean two things. One, in a trial, the defendant sits traditionally at the head of the table. And two, rather Give him covered. Make him look. He's the head of the council, which he might have been. So he's the head of the city council. Put him there for the time being. And now bring two corrupt, evil, venal, malevolent men, and they will testify against him. And 
And now there will be a two-charge indictment. One, Beirachta, we know Beirachta, which means bless, is Lashon Nekia, it's a euphemism for curse. So that one, he cursed, he blasphemed the Kaddish Baruch Hu, and two, he blasphemed the king, and now you will vote. Say see, the judgment should be to stone him, and he will die. So, the count in the indictment that he blasphemed um, the, the Kaddish Baruch Hu is there to incite the people. It's there just to get, this is serious business and they are going to prosecute him. The second one that he blasphemed the king is a very clever diabolic strategy because there is an argument that if one is found guilty of Morib Bamalchus blaspheming the king, his property goes to the king. In other words, he forfeits his property to the king as opposed to anything else. Um, and that is what she wants. However, there is other problems. Will this work, a Morid B'malchus accusation? Some say no, that it doesn't work, Morid B'malchus. Some say there's a deeper connection between Novos and Achav. The Gemara says in a Medrash that they were cousins, first cousins. Their fathers were brothers. So that if Achav is killed, I'm sorry, if Novos is killed, Achav will inherit that vineyard with the disturbing fact that his children would inherit before him. So what Izebel did is she's going to kill the remaining heirs so that Achav remains as the only surviving heir of Novos. Two, question is, what did Novos do? Why are we going to kill an innocent man to just tell the story of the cruelty of Acha? The Gemara has a very interesting uh, medrash that Novos had a very particular skill, and that was that he had a superb voice. He was a chazan. He was a shaliach tzibur who did go, despite the preventative measures taken against the citizen of Israel, to go to the Beis HaMikdash, would go three times a year and lead the davening at the Beis HaMikdash to a degree that people crossed the borders just to hear Nava. This particular year, he does not go, uh, and he does not go for whatever the reason of Nefarshim hypothecate, he doesn't go because he's worried about his land. So we have a puzzle. It says in, in Shmos, below Yachmod Ishes Artsachar, the Kaddish Prophet is saying when you go up to the temple, those three times a year, Balascha Liros as Penei Hashem, Balascha, when you go up to see Kodesh Baruch Hu, Shalosh Pamim Barashanah, Lo Yachmod Ish Es Artsacha. I am guaranteeing you, you can be Batuach, that no one will disturb your land. Poachers, squatters, thieves, etc. And Nobo did not have the Bitachon to do that. Two, he also withheld, you learn from this, if you have a service, uh, an ability, a skill for the call, for Bnei Yisrael, and withhold it, 
you're going to be punished. It's not looked upon favorably. So Novot had that thing where he was the relative. He was going to, he did not go to the base Hamikdash that year. And so therefore, he was set up for punishment. So now what happens to the tribe? Trial. They do exactly what Izebel commands. That was written in the letters that went out to them. Declare a fast. Put Novos at the head of the table. By Yavo Shnei on Hashem, the two evil men B'nei B'lial come in. By Yeshuvu Negdo, they sit opposite him to confront him. By Yadu on Sheher B'lial as Novos Neged Ha'om, they confront him before the entire nation. Lemor Beirach Novos Elokim Vamelech, he cursed uh, the Kaddish Baruch Hu and he blasphemed the king. By Yotzeihu Mi'chutz La'ir, by Yiskolehu Ba'avanim Ve'Yomos, they take him out and. They stone him. So we see through this, where was Ahab? Says nothing, did nothing. Did he know? Some say yes. Did he not know? Some say, yeah, he did not know. And so what Ahab does, he gets the message, when he hears this, go in and inherit. That's the key, inherit the Karim, because they were, in fact, cousins, and that was the basis on which he was getting it, inheritance, because there were no survivors, thanks to Ezebel. So get the Karim of Novot, that he didn't want to give you, he's not alive anymore, he died. When he hears it, no questions asked. How did it happen? He goes immediately to Karen Navot, a Israelis, Lerishto, to inherit it. And so um, we see the conclusion of the story the murder of an innocent man just to get a Karen. Remember, this man must have had, you know, all the vineyards he wanted, and yet it teaches us the essential gaiva of, of a man like Ahab, etc. But all is not over. We are going to bring out of retirement Eliyahu Hanabi, who will confront Ahab with a terrible prophecy of the days ahead, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow, Adkan.